the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. I want you, if you're home or if you're able to, turn your Bibles to the book of Titus, or Paul's letter, I should say, to Titus chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 10 through 16 here in just a moment. But before I get to that, I want to encourage you to get online to copperbasinbiblecamp.org to sign up for summer camps. I know you want to send your kids. And you may be thinking... Uh, Chris, I've, I've heard about this from you before, but the cost is too cheap. We, I want my kids to have a good time. You know, $195 for one week is just too good to be true. But let me tell you, folks, we got 80 acres. We have archery. We have a zip line. We have canoeing and kayaking. We, we have um, uh, the, the formal night, the, the anointing, which if you want to know what those are, you'll, you can email me and, and find out more. There are, uh, see what I already said, the hiking and all those other things. Oh, the skit night. That is so much fun. And the, the camaraderie and, and the, all the games that we have and the teaching of God's word and the purity and the, the getting away from technology uh, such as the cell phones and video games and just spending time with God and godly people. It is a great time. I encourage you to take a look at that. CopperBasinBibleCamp.org Okay. We left off in Titus chapter 1, verse 9 last week, talking about the elders. And verse 10 starts off with the word for. In the Greek, it's the word gar. And so this is the connector. Here's the reason for something. Paul said that the false teachers needed to be silenced because of their evil influence. He writes, for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. Oh, man, that's pretty serious. Have you ever been faced with such a, th- a task? Okay, you got some people who are rebellious, and they're deceiving people, and they not should, but must be silenced. In other words, you shut them up. Now let's go back before we get into that too far. The word rebellious appeared earlier. We've seen that one before over in verse 6 where they had rebellion. It, it describes people who will not submit to authority. As a rule, false teachers refuse to be accountable to anybody. So these men were empty talkers. Paul's not saying that they were unimpressive speakers, but he's he's concluding that they that what they said had no real value. They were 
persuasive speakers in evidence, that's, that's, that's evident in the next descriptive term, that is, they were deceivers. Mind deceivers is what that Greek word is uh, getting at. They're deceiving the mind. And especially those of the circumcision. That would be the Jews. According to ancient historians, a lot of Jews made Crete their home. False teachers on Crete were serving up the same concoction of error as those in Ephesus, but on Crete it had more of a Jewish flavor. Now let's look at that word silenced. It comes from a rare verb. Uh, it pictures the way you might put something on the mouth uh, of a dog to stop them, a bridle or a muzzle or a gag. You know, when you would uh, have a wild beast, you'd, sometimes you would muzzle him to keep him from biting. Maybe occasionally to, to keep them from uh, barking, so to silence them. Over in Ephesus, you had savage wolves attacking the flock. I remember that from Acts chapter 20. And evil beasts were threatening the young Christians on Crete. So muzzling was imperative. This muzzling did not require a hand over the mouth or a dog muzzle, but rather the faithful proclamation of God's word. Not that Titus was not doing this, but he is faced with a pretty serious challenge. And so he can't, can't be there all the time. Remember, he was going from these congregations uh, all across the island over 100 miles long to different congregations helping them out. He's not going to be there all the time. They needed elders to help put these things in check. And apparently, it was already having an effect upon the congregation because Paul says, because they were upsetting whole families. In the first century, congregations often met in homes. In the absence of elders, it would be easy for these false teachers to slip in to these uh, informal services and cause trouble. Whether they led astray one family member or all, the entire family would be upset. So the impact would be catastrophic. These teachers were teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain there at the end of verse 11. Sordid gain. Sordid involves being socially or morally unacceptable, shameful, or base. It could refer, refer to dishonest gain. There was a Greek historian, uh, Polybius, he wrote, now he wrote back around 200 to 118 BC, but he wrote that Cretans are the only people in the world in whose eyes no gain is disgraceful. However, it probably means that they were preaching for money. That's what a lot of people say and think. I don't think it necessarily is that, but it most certainly is somebody who is uh, getting in there teaching or involving themselves and finding some way to make money in some some way, uh, perhaps. Uh, the average citizen in that day would see little wrong with this. Vagabond lecturers would crisscross the land, charging all kinds of fees for their words of wisdom. The result on Crete was the sad spectacle of deceived members of the church paying money to be duped. Unbelievable. But it happens. And, you know, it still happens today. Uh, now, I do believe we ought to pay our speakers a, a reasonable fee because they're for their time, for their efforts, so that they can continue the good work. But there are some who charge exorbitant fees. I mean, it is ridiculous. I've come across once or twice 
Or I'll ask somebody, hey, maybe you could come speak here. And they'll say, well, sure. They'll send me some information with a price tag. I just throw it in the trash. I don't even bother calling them back. They're there for sordid gain. It was over the top. Not going to do it. In fact, the the most uh, the best speakers I've ever heard ask for no money, or they, they just to pay their expenses. And I pay I I do that, and whatever I can find, I give it to them. I don't care if it's exorbitant or whatever is left over uh, from the uh, event it goes to them. They were worth it. Good men of God. So anyway, I got a little off there. We're at verse twelve. Uh, do I want to jump ahead? Yeah, let's go ahead and go to verse 12. Um, one, Paul writes, One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Boy, could you imagine that being said about you? Have you ever heard that? Man, teaching things they should not serves as an introduction to this, uh, this verse here in verse 12. These evil beasts needed to be muzzled because of their evil teaching. They had turned away from the truth. So he, Paul points to a, a prophet of their own. And this prophet he's pointing to is a real person, uh, Epimenides. He's a Greek poet. He lived around 600 B.C. So you're looking at 650-some years prior now, Paul did not say he was a prophet of God, so don't, don't get that mixed up with it. But rather, he was considered a prophet by the inhabitants of Crete, a prophet of their own. And this fella, his description of the people of Crete shows the almost overwhelming nature of the challenge that Titus is facing here. No people ever had a worse reputation than the Cretans. The poet first asserted that Cretans are always liars. So the inhabitants of Crete were notorious for their dishonesty. In Greek literature, to play the Cretan was to lie. We see that phrase, playing the Cretan. That was so people they had this reputation for lying. The latter Greek poet, uh Calchemix, Mekes, I think I'm so saying that wrong, he quoted the line, Cretans are always liars, and used this, this as his example in his writings, that the they claimed, the Cretans claimed, the Greek god Zeus was buried on their island. <laughs> I mean, come on. So here is where he's buried, Was uh, they would say sincerely, but that was not to be trusted. And for good reason. First off, Zeus didn't even exist, let alone to say that he was buried on their island. So no, nobody trusted the Cretans. Next, the poet said that Cretans were evil beasts, um, some translations say wild animals. Uh, others say vicious brutes. To be evil is to be morally reprehensible, as well as being harmful and dangerous. That term beast, of course, that's used figuratively for a person, but they have a bestial nature. They're a monster. These inhabitants of Crete had not risen above the level of a savage beast. They, had, they made little, little effort to curb an animal nature within their own mind. And then Epimenides called them lazy gluttons, or literally idle bellies. They're never satisfied, always wanting more. They were unwilling to labor for what they wanted. So they turned to lying, and they turned to cheating to get 
more. And so that brings us to verses 13 and 14. Here's what Paul says. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. In other words, he's saying, Paul's saying, I agree with that prophet. I agree with what he said. He might have added 600 years have gone by since this poet spoke, but his statements are still true. (laughs) That's sad. Very sad. It should be noted that Paul was not trying to indict every inhabitant of Crete. Not all, because obviously there are Christians who live there. But in general, the statement was true. That is true. And so, Paul holds Titus, or told Titus, I mean, for this reason, because they are like this, you need to reprove them. That is, the false teachers and those who influenced by them, you need to reprove them, Titus, severely. Why? So that they may be sound in the faith. Now, as we noted last week, Titus was to appoint elders who would be able to expose the error of those opposed to the truth. Verse 9. But he also had a personal responsibility. He was to reprove them severely. Not to reprove means to express strong disapproval of someone's action. And that word translated severely is literally in a manner that cuts. (laughs) It comes from two Greek words. It pictures something that's done rigorously, or as the King James puts it, sharply. Titus was to use that cutting edge of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to reprove them severely, to cut them deep. Have you ever felt like that? Like, oh man, that cut deep because it hurt. You hurt them, Titus, with the truth. You make them and if you do it right, you will silence them. And they will, sorry for lack of a better word, you will make them shut up. Now, it does not suggest that Titus' Titus's purpose was to destroy these fellows. No. Rather, he is to reprove them so that they may be sound in the faith. Not merely to silence them, he was also to try to convert them. God is still interested in their conversion and did not consider their situation hopeless. The teachers of falsehood needed to be sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men. Jewish myths include included fanciful genealogies devised by the rabbis, or the error taught on Crete had a strong Jewish element. In addition to the, the Jewish amendments to God's word, there is also commandments of men. Regulations such as forbidding marriage and advocating abstinence from certain foods. Uh, The New English Bible calls these uh, directives commandments of merely human origin. (laughs) That's right. What was the consequence of turning to Jewish myths and commandments of men? Well, the false teachers showed themselves to be individuals who turned away from the truth. And the truth is the comprehensive truth of God's word. The Bible, they turn away from it. Jesus told his followers in John chapter 8, verse 32, You will know the truth, and the truth 
will make you free. It will set you free from sin and error. Because if you know what the truth is, you will not be led astray by error. That's how truth sets you free. Because you know. You know what the truth is. And if you don't know the truth, and there's a lot of things that are making you scared and nervous, you will probably accept whatever comes your way. If it sounds good, it's something. But if you don't know the truth, how can you be certain? So you need to dig dig this out for yourself. Don't just trust your, your preachers. You need to be studying the Bible and looking for that truth. Anyone who turns away from the truth is turning back to the dictatorship of sin. Okay, finally, verses 15 and 16. The evil beasts on Crete needed to be muzzled because of their evil character. And we were introduced to an unsavory nature of the teachers in verse 12. But now that initial description is expanded in 15 and 16. He writes this, Paul writes this, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. There it is. Now, a lot of commentators think that... um, This statement relates to Jesus' teaching regarding eating meat from Mark and Luke. Whether or not that is the case, most share the opinion that ceremonial cleanness and purity is is primarily the view here, and I agree with that. Paul's statement can be taken out of context and made into another simple proverb, if you bear with me, where you might say, you see what you want to see in life. You see what you want to see in life, okay? And it can be illustrated like this. The hummingbird and the vulture. A hummingbird looks for flowers, and of course, the hummingbird finds them. The vulture looks for dead carcasses, and of course, he finds them. You will find what you are looking for. We can can apply... Uh, the element of truth uh, in this observation by learning to look for the good in life, right? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. However, some use this interpretation to justify ungodliness, all right? So let, let me give you an example of that. Someone, If someone urges them not to read pornographic books or watch pornographic movies, they may respond, well, if you think these are dirty, it is because you have a dirty mind. After all, to the pure, all things are pure. Wrong. A pure mind cannot turn black into white. It cannot turn bitter into sweet or filthy into clean. The message of verse 15 is directed against the false teachers who were defiled and unbelieving. The first part of the verse might be paraphrased like this. To the pure, all things are pure. All things, that is, that God has declared pure. Things such as marriage and food. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, as the false teachers were, nothing is pure, not even marriage and food or other things God has pronounced pure. Okay? So unbelieving here is a matter of refusing to believe God's teaching regarding what is pure and what is not. Def- and what is not. Defiled refers to moral defilement. 
It is the opposite of moral purity or cleanness. In what way were the teachers defiled or impure? Well, their lives were no doubt impure, but Paul was concerned with the source of their defilement. Both their mind and their conscience were defiled. The mind is what we used to think, whereas the conscience dictates to us what is right and what is wrong. When both the one's thinker and one's moral compass, when both of those are defective, you're in serious trouble, aren't you? And that's the case here with these false teachers. They had deprived minds. They had seared their conscience. Paul, in effect, told them, it is not the food and the marriage that are defiled. You are. That's the defilement. And so he continues with the indictment. They profess to know God. That word profess, you know, same Greek word as confess. Know, K-N-O-W, is a relationship word. These false teachers claim to have a special relationship with God, a relationship no one else had. However, their lips and their lives did not agree. By their deeds, they denied him, God. By their lying, their savage, selfish deeds, they announced to the world, we don't know God. But they were saying something totally different. Now, let's, let's consider that deeds for a moment. We see that crop up here. I think that is a, if not the, key word in Titus. You find it all throughout, especially in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And evidently, the primary reason Cretan Christians need, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the primary lesson Cretan Christians needed was that Christianity should make a difference in their lives. It should make a difference in their deeds, their work, what they're doing. It is easy for a person to say that they know God. It is a whole nother thing for their life to reflect that knowledge. John wrote this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. By this we know that we have come to know him, God, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So after Paul said, by their deeds, they deny him, he expanded that description of their character. He says they were detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Whoa, man. That's tough, tough work for Titus. It'd be hard to imagine a stronger denunciation. Detestable. That's individuals who stirred up feelings of repugnance. They were disgusting. Further, uh, they were disobedient. They had elevated their own will over the will of God. That's disobedience. That's rebellion. They were, therefore, worthless for any good deed. Now, worthless is a, that's a tough, not a tough word, but it's a heartbreaking word. No one wants to be called worthless, do they? It indicates that which has failed the test of having any value and has therefore been rejected. Uh, the the Greeks would uh, the Jews would write the uh, the Greeks I'm sorry would write the letter A with the alpha word on their on stones that they were rejecting uh, at Atakamas Atakamas I think is the word it was used for of a counterfeit coin that fell below a standard weight also it was used to you know reject that and stones and such a stone was marked with that alpha for you know a label of being unfit for use God's word supplies all a person needs for every good work, God's word. But following a man-made commandment will render you unfit 
for any good work. So who are you following? What are you following? Are you are, are we a falling victim to people throwing things out that maybe they sound good to our ear and boy this is easy but maybe there's something deep inside that tells you that you're, you're missing something. And so you keep attending hoping to find that but you're not finding it. Folks, there is a truth and you can know, you can find that peace you're looking for in God's word. And here at the North Valley Church of Christ, we strive for that. I do not claim to have a monopoly on the truth. Okay? I can be wrong. And so when I present my lessons, when I present my class, I try to present all the possibilities. And I may tell you, here's what I think. But let's work through this together. I want, I want the members here to get to a point in, in their spiritual lives where they don't need me where they know how to study the Bible. They know how to reason and think from the word, keeping things in context, because words have definition in context only. And that's something that's rarely taught out there in any church. It's rare. But it can be found. You can know the truth, and the truth sets you free. When you know the truth, you cannot be led away by error. And you will find a peace with God like you've never known before. And if you want to know more about that, Come visit us here at the North Valley Congregation. Go to www.nvcoc.net. You can learn more about us there. And as we're closing out here, I've got another minute and a half. I want to plug one more time the Copper Basin Bible Camp. We all have, uh, most of us, I should say, have children. If you have kids that are anywhere from being able to be pot, that are potty trained and can bathe themselves all the way up to high school and senior. We have a place for them at the camp coming this June. It's starting next week on Wednesday. You had the Cub Campers that last Wednesday afternoon, all day Thursday and Friday morning. And uh, that's for those who are who can you know take care of themselves in the, the bathroom for uh, going potty, brushing their teeth, and taking a shower. And it's a way to introduce them to camp. We, we ask for a mom or dad to be present in the camp. Uh, you can do it, hang out in Prescott if you want. You're just there in case they have a meltdown. They, they miss mom and dad. But it gets them used to the idea of camp. And then we have our high school week. And then we've got junior high. And then we have fourth to sixth grade. And then we got what's called combo week at the very end of June where junior high and high school can come together to the camp. And it's a great time. It's a wonderful time. And we want to encourage everyone to be part of this, and we do everything we can to keep that cost down. $195 for a whole week, $95 for the Cup Campers. Go to copperbasinbiblecamp.org. We hope to see you there. Thank you very much. May God bless you, and remember to redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity, because tomorrow is not promised to us. Thank you, and God bless. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. To hear this program again, go to FamilyValuesRadio1010.com and click on the podcast page and find this program and many others right there on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.